Hello and namaste. This is Preeti Adhikari. I'm the founder of the Great Nepali Diaspora, a community of global Nepali professionals. And this is TGND Beat, Diaspora's Kurakani. Our podcast aims to showcase people with roots in Nepal and share their stories of struggle, perseverance, and success. My special guest today is Pukar, Pukar Hamal, who I've been trying to get on the podcast for a really long time, and I'm so glad he's here today. He's the founder and CEO of Security Pal that raised $21 million out of stealth last year, and he's doing some amazing work, and we'll hear more about that. Pukar is also an active investor and startup mentor. Pukar did his Bachelor of Arts at Stanford University, and we'll get to know more about Pukar soon. Let's get started. Welcome, Pukar. Uh, thank you, Preeti and the uh, TGND community for having me here. Really uh, excited to, to chat with you and uh, and um, share a little bit about uh, uh, about myself, I guess. Yeah. Perfect. No, I mean, uh, it's been a few months. I think I reached out to you when I started TGND, and you have always been so gracious, and, um, helpful, and everything. And I, you know, I want to share your story with uh, with our audience. Um, so tell us, you know. Tell us to me about your childhood, how, how things got started, things, uh, you know, your, your life in Nepal, and let's get started from there. Yeah, we're going, uh, we're going a long ways back okay. uh, every year. It gets, it gets, uh, it gets a little bit further and further away from, from me. Right. Um, okay. um, so I, I was, I was born in Nepal. I was actually born in Kathmandu. Um, um, and, uh, I, uh, I actually grew up in far western Nepal, so mm -hmm. I like to tell people like a fun fact about me is that uh, uh, Nepali is actually like my second language um, uh, that I learned. There's a there's another sort of like dialect in Nepal that I ended up picking up growing up in the in western Nepal and and actually Vasas sounds very different. Um, and uh, grew up there, uh, um, and uh, then you know, my my dad's from there. My my uh, my mom is uh, from from Dong, Nepal, and uh, um, ended up moving to uh, to New York City when I was seven um, with my mom. My dad was already there. Uh, he had he had come to the U.S. in '96, um, and then I moved to the to the U.S. in '99 as a seven year old um, with my mom. And so uh, uh, that's sort of the story in terms of like growing up in in Nepal. Obviously, you know. Uh, it was only seven years. Uh, you don't really remember the first, like, you know, two to three years. So, like, probably, like, maybe I have, like, four years worth of memories um, and of all, but they're uh, of me, like, running around with my cousins because everybody used to live together and stuff like that, right? right. Everybody has that. Exactly. Uh, that extended like, family. Yeah, yeah. You just end up being part of this, like, crew, you know, and I had many mamas, my Jews, aunts, uncles, and, and stuff, and going back and forth from, from Darjeel and Dong and, uh, right. uh, and yeah, it was it was it was definitely like a very different uh, a different life. Uh, it, it's like some memories that I, I remember, like in, in far western Nepal, they actually didn't uh, in the in the region where I was in, they actually hadn't like brought like electricity yet, um, uh, wow. and and like the roads weren't built out yet in that region, and so like um, it it was really interesting to like go from like you know because I remember studying using like kerosene lamps. When I was like a, a young, a young kid, you know, like those, like, right, like those I little, like, right. those like glass, glass lines, just just like really, really wild to to think about, in hindsight, um, um, and sort of like, 
I remember just like being fascinated with my cousins, uh, you know, playing like soccer uh, out in the courtyards and stuff like that. Um, and just like looking at the sky or like uh, for like airplanes, like doing airplane spotting, <laughs> which is like really funny. Um, and, um, uh, you know, being fascinated by like the occasional like car or like the bus you might see on like the distant hills. Um, uh, and then going from that, obviously, to like New York City, which, you know, is, is, a, is a pretty crazy uh, sort of like journey. I like to tell people I've probably seen about you know, 150 years of technological progress. I probably witnessed that exactly. in like the first, first like seven years of my, seven, eight years of my life, which is pretty wild. Yeah. Pretty, pretty crazy indeed. I mean, you know, I was thinking in terms of, you know, how, you know, when you, when you move to different places and so on, your life sort of, uh, you know, there's um, a certain degree of change, right? Like, you know, 50 degrees, 100 degrees or something. In no case, that I can't even believe what it must have felt like from, from Kathmandu to New York City of all places. Yeah, yeah. I didn't stay in Kathmandu for that long, uh, uh, right? Because I was growing up. Right. But like, certainly like learning, like learning the Nepali language first. And then, you know, just when I thought I had like understood right. that, like then like coming to the to to to, to the U.S. Uh, uh, and, and trying to, uh, you know, trying to get used to that. But, you know, I, I grew up in Queens, um, New York, uh, Forestals. And so you know, proud, proud to have grown up there. It's one of the most diverse places in the world. Um, over 800 languages spoken, right? And so, it's a it's a great place to grow up. New York City, I think, is a is, is a great place to uh, for for uh, folks to grow up. I think it, it certainly makes you uh, um, a lot more uh, dynamic because um, uh, you get to see so much. Yeah, so very fortunate, so. blessed. Yeah. No, no, I I love that. Um, one thing I want to sort of uh, ask ask about is. You know, as um, you know, as uh, our community grows and so on, we're seeing obviously a big chunk of people come here for you know their undergrad, and masters, and so on, right? And they have a certain type of lived experience, you know, when they come uh, during that time. And now more and more, we also see people uh, that come in age, right? When they're much younger, so they have a little bit of just a little bit, a few memories from Nepal, and then a lot of it is formative, yeah, uh, in the U.S. and so on. Do you see a little bit of difference in terms of um, uh, in terms of people that sort of move, uh, like you know, let's use the U.S. as an example, in different uh, like at different ages or different sort of phases of their life? Yeah, I think I, certainly. I think, um, well, I think there's there's definitely a difference. You know, I've had uh, at least like you know recently, I've certainly gotten to know like a whole host of um of, of, of Nepalese people um really reconnected with the diaspora mm -hmm. um, during the pandemic um um you know like I get uh, you know hanging out on clubhouse and a couple other places right. really like the the sort of like spark that got me reconnected with um a bunch of amazing folks doing amazing things um um but what I've found um you know I, th I think it, it just depends on um you know where you're coming from. I, I think like there's a certain sort of like, um, uh, uh, you know, part of, of of living and growing up in Kathmandu, which uh, sort of, you know, you you don't seem that removed from mm -hmm. uh, the goings on, the goings on in, in the world, right? Like, right, right. Uh, you know, like especially in technology and stuff like that. There's quite a few people that are 
attuned to you know what's what's happening and uh, they're either working for technology companies that exist here or or, or, or in other places right. um and then and then um that i think uh um uh you know for some folks i think it's, it's it's a much bigger change let's say right and so um so i think there's definitely like sort of split that's uh what what, what niche do you occupy in many ways you know what right. what are you spending your time doing and um there's quite a few people that uh, where i've like met that uh building like a pretty amazing life just in in Kathmandu uh knowing Paul all that um uh you know are are in tune and and aware of everything that's happening in in some of the most cutting edge places including like Silicon Valley sake um uh, so I, I just think it like depends on uh, on on where you are and where you're moving from right. and what what are your interests right now awesome awesome uh Pokar, like what did you want to be when you were, you know, seven years old or younger? And, you know, has that changed? Did you want to be a startup founder? No, I didn't even know it's Square until I, I like ended up at and ended up at Stanford, and then everybody wanted to build a startup, right? Like right. first, first I wanted to build like everybody else was like a social network because um, that was like all the craze back then. And then, um, and like. You know, it was like a. I actually ended up starting this thing called like Farm Genius with uh, one of my Stanford friends. Um, right. He 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 like built it. I was on more like the business business side, and uh, uh, Stanford's known as the farm because it used to be a farm back in the day. And like the whole idea of Farm Genius was, right. um, you you'd match like talented students to to uh, jobs that needed to be done like on campus, right? So like. Um, so it was like a very interesting, like, sort of like talent, talent yeah. that you work in place. Um, um, but any, you know, like didn't know about startups, uh, but obviously like quickly learned that like, that was, uh, that was something you did, you know, when I ended up at, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, got lucky and, and ended up at, uh, at Stanford for undergrad and, um, um, you know, and I don't, I don't know if I would have like really pegged myself to be like, uh, like where I am today, like, a uh, a venture-backed founder, building a company with you know a global customer base and, and all that. Right. So I'm obviously really fortunate to be to be here. But I I, I would have I would have said it would have been like a distant dream uh, of mine um, uh, that I I would have probably thought would have been like out of reach, um, you know, in in the past. So in in many ways, like I feel uh, feel really lucky. Oh, awesome. And we're all so proud of you, Pukar. I've said this to you individually, but and in public as well. I think, you know, I think you're one of the founders that is showing the world what Nepali or Nepali American founders can do. And we're so proud of your accomplishments. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, there's there's so much more work to work to be done, I think. Um, you know, we stayed in stealth for so long. I was right. um, also worried about uh, once you put yourself out there, there's expectations um, of of, of, of success, and uh, there's a certain like standard you have to hold, and there's a certain way to do things. And um, you know, we're, we're not with uh, uh, mistakes that we've made and things that we've learned. But um, I would say, um, uh, you know, real, thank you. But I think like there's so much more work to be done, and <laughs> of course, you know, in many but ways, there's we're just getting started. Yeah, we're just of getting course. started. So yeah, awesome. Um, one one thing that I always, you know, wonder, right? And I think, you know, you're probably the right person to ask as well. 
do you think entrepreneurship say is it nurture versus nature Bansani? are you born an entrepreneur or do you become an entrepreneur because you're exposed to that ecosystem yeah i mean this is sort of sort of tough um um i i i think some people are certainly born with uh uh you know I- I inherent like uh curiosity about about problems and sort of like looking at um the world in a different way uh, mm-hmm. does require a little bit of like um sort of you know putting outside of the four walls we exist right. in and trying to see what else is like really out there um um so i think in some senses it's um it's it's probably uh uh inherent but i would say we probably underestimate how much of it can be learned um uh, mm-hmm. uh, and how much of it can be uh uh something that you uh can can teach yourself i i, I think look like there's many different forms of entrepreneurship you know the one that unfortunately has 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 taken off as um is is the sort of like venture backed you know like to mm-hmm. glamorous tech startup type of entrepreneurship right is plenty of amazing entrepreneurs in, in Nepal that are uh, uh starting businesses uh, every day whether it's uh, a, a little shop or uh whether it's a it's a it's a services business whether it's uh industrials manufacturing mm-hmm. like all these different things so i think it depends on how you want to define entrepreneurship i think if if entrepreneurship is a type of like you know building a business then um you know i i i think anybody can be a a a business person it just depends on whether they're passionate enough about the problem to continue to you know work at it and i think right. that's probably where like you know that the the question really comes from is it nature versus nurture because some people are successful some people are not exactly. i think a lot of it comes down to like is it a problem that you're passionate about is it something that you're going to be more passionate about than mm-hmm. somebody else um uh uh you know the uh there's the sort of like famous Mike Bloomberg quote right like the the harder i work the luckier i get exactly uh, there's some entrepreneurs that seem like they're luckier than others mm-hmm. where you might think oh maybe it's like nature maybe it's some, someone in, in, inherent and innate to to their existence perhaps it's also because you know they're just maniacally diligent about and and uh, right uh and and uh, and hard working uh but in everything that they do which um sort of increases like the likelihood that they um the surface yeah exactly the surface of luck i think that's a great way of putting it yeah exactly um let's go back a little bit in terms of your you know youth and you know going up in queens and so on and i, I obviously queens is so vibrant and obviously there's so much going on um that i did a what were some not just what you learned over there but what, what do you what are some skills that you probably you know learned in queen growing up in that diversity and vibrant uh, you know culture and so on that is uh, still that you can still you know attribute some of your um, luck or some of your you know uh, character traits to yeah i think uh i i, I think queens is like this Queens, New York is is this like beautiful tapestry of of uh, you know sort of an example of like what's um, I think it's one of you know quite frankly I think it's one of America's greatest assets uh, you know um, because um, the amount of like diversity and uh, the amount of um, 
culture that can thrive freely um, in that place um, is, uh, is is really powerful. It's, it's a testament to, um, you know, uh, it's a testament to like, you know, freedom and, and, and liberty and, um, you know, the, the shining example that I think seldom gets talked about, um, that is like the United States, which obviously I'm like so fortunate for, for all the opportunities that, that I've gotten here. Um, um, I think what's also great about Queens is like, you know, uh, people are hard work there, right? Like, you know, people right. like, you know, like, uh, people are there building a new life and building a new life means you're building from scratch. You're, <laughs> um, you know, the sort of like, um, American way of picking yourselves up by the bootstraps. And there's quite a few people in Queens, New York that are picking themselves up by the, by the bootstrap, right? Nah. And there's uh, 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 and and obviously there's parts of Queens that are well to do. There's parts of Queens that are not, but you know, it's a it's a it's a working class, uh, hardworking uh, uh, community. Um, you know, I'm raised I'm raised by working class parents. Um, uh, you know that uh, could have probably had like a much nicer, maybe comfortable life mm-hmm. back in um, back in Nepal in some respects, but right. um, but but also chose to sort of like um, strike it out. I think it's full of. Uh, incredible entrepreneurs mm-hmm. i think this is probably where like the the definition of entrepreneurship you know uh, is maybe a little bit different for me mm-hmm. i feel like any immigrant immigrant that's willing to leave their life behind exactly. in another country is probably an entrepreneur in my book right because uh, it takes a certain amount of like intestinal fortitude to take that type of risk um uh but yeah i, I and, and in queens i think for me like as grown up like just being exposed to so many different cultures you know my two best friends are like you know from um you know, ex-Soviet Union countries, like, right. uh, 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 and uh, uh, so, uh, you know, just being able to communicate and sort of like being able to see, just be exposed to so many right. different people from so many different different walks of life, I think is uh, is great. And, and I think to this day, part of the reason why I feel like I can connect with anybody is just because, yeah, I've probably met somebody <laughs> from that part of the world or I've had the cuisine or... You know, I just have some story, uh, some connection there. Um, no matter what culture, no matter what religion, no matter what background you have, and um, I, I think that's like a real, real sort of like strength of of of, of Queens. Um, uh, yeah, some of the best food in the world as well. Of course. Of course. Do you have a Do you have a favorite restaurant or in the cuisine in Queens? Uh, <laughs> putting me on putting me on the spot a little bit. I think uh, there's some great. Um, Momo places, you know, you don't have to go far, like all in the wall Momo places that you can go to in, in Queens. There's one that my dad always brings Momos back home called like Bonsegar, I think. Yeah, I tried. And, yeah. Uh, uh, from, from like around Jackson Heights. Uh, so it's, you know, th- these are like some of the, you know, and you could have cuisine from all over the world, right? Like, uh, anyway, from, uh, right. Uh, Central South America and Corona, or, you know, obviously great sort of like Asian cuisine, whether it's Afghani, right. uh, uh, Pakistani, Indian, and I believe, um, Bhutanese, right? right. Like, mm-hmm. um, uh, in, in Jackson Heights or some of these other places. I think like it's a, you know, I, I grew up there between like 99 and 2009. Um, so, uh, and obviously I go back like every couple of months cause my parents still live there. My parents still live in right. Bristol. So like I still go back there and, uh, uh, it's great, great sort of like place to place to grow up yeah of course of course um last question about location before we you know change topics that up 
if you could just pick one, would it be SF or uh, New York? Oh man, this is uh, <laughs> this this is this is tough. Um, it's a question I get asked a lot. I think, <clears throat> um, I think New York City is obviously. I think New York City is like the best city, and you know, in 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 the country, I would I would even go as far as to say I've been to some incredible cities around the world. Like I lived in Paris for many months. I, uh, I, I had had a chance to see the incredible mega cities of the Middle East and, um, you know, uh, some in Asia as, as well. But like, you know, I think New York City, I think is the best city. It's probably the place where you, it, it probably comes closest to rivaling some of the mega cities mm -hmm. in, in the world, right? Probably not, not as populated. Yeah. Um, um, so I think if you want that city life, um, you know, New York, if you want a diversity of, of uh, if, if you want to maximize diversity, I'm not saying the barrier isn't diverse, but I think if you want the greatest variance in diversity, um, you probably go to a place like uh, like New York City. Um, I think if you're young and you're trying to figure it out, I think it's a great place to be. Um, um but I also think it's like really distracting, you know. Like, there's always something. It can on. be distracting. It can um, be distracting. Yeah, it's always so much. There's there's so much going on. So I think once you sort of like decided what you want to focus on, right? Um, yeah, you know, you probably want to uh, maybe leave the city. I, I don't know. I, I think it in finance, you probably want to be there. In tech, you probably want to be here. I think San Francisco. San Francisco has a share of troubles. Most people don't realize San Francisco is really small. There's only 800,000 people. It's this seven oh. by seven, sort of like tip of a peninsula in the larger Bay Area, right? Like the Bay Area probably has 10 to 12 million people. Um, San Francisco has like less than 10% of that. that you know? And and it's a small city. That, so like, I think here, I, I, I you know, I would say it's like gorgeous. There's a lot of like hills and hiking. It's It's a beautiful landscape, you know? There's a lot of, um, I like to say, sort of like natural topographical diversity. Right, like, right. There's a lot of topography. Right. As somebody that comes from Nepal, maybe like you appreciate a little bit of topography in your in in in, in your in your landscape. But um, it's also quite boring, you know. Like things sort of like shut down uh, at 11 p.m. Exactly. At night in San Francisco. Different. Yeah. Right, right. Also, the city, you know, has gone through a share of troubles from. Mm -hmm. uh, governing standpoint and stuff like exactly. that so right, right. but i think like it's a great place to build because it's boring you know so you can just sort of like focus on uh, so there's nothing else to do yeah it's, it's, i just i i <laughs> i like to say it's san francisco is beautiful and boring and because it's beautiful and boring you have no choice but to build you know awesome, so. awesome. i love that um Let's talk a little bit in terms of, you know, the, the location and so on. I mean, I love both New York and SF. I think both have, like you said, right, um, good and bad. And I think well, people, if people have a choice, you know, and, and depending on where they are in life, it, it makes sense for them. Uh, then let's talk a little bit about Security Pal, um, you know, and, uh, you know, what you're building. Uh, you know, we've obviously seen uh, a lot of updates and, and so on. But uh, tell us a little bit in terms of, why that problem? Like, you know, with entrepreneurs, there's always so many things you can be working on, whether it's software and so on. But uh, why did you choose security as the problem, right? And how you're trying, tell us also how you're trying to like democratize all of this. Yeah. I, um, so, you know, truth be told, right? I'm, I'm, I, I don't come from the world of cybersecurity. I'm, I'm actually like new to it, I think. 
that lends to it some um so you know some fresh perspective and and, and a fresh approach to the to the, right. to the market um i really came I, I ended up being aware of this problem really um um uh in my in my previous company and so you know the sort of like 30 second elevator pitch about security path for folks that don't know is you know we're a san francisco based um um, cybersecurity company, and what we essentially do is we help companies uh, when they're bringing their product to market, or when they're selling their product into different enterprises. Um, let's say the Fortune 1000 usually end up having to go through some type of a security review, security audit, or security questionnaire, um, and it's a process that can take months, and it can actually delay the commercial transaction. It can delay the deal uh, by by weeks, months, um, sometimes. And Security Pal is really there to. Um, help expedite the completion of these security reviews, security questionnaires, right. um, security uh, audits, so you can uh, close the deal quickly and you can get it done. A lot of the times, it's it's uh, you know, the, the industry is full of like these like really boring solutions mm-hmm. where you have to sit there like filling out forms or like copying and pasting and stuff like that. And we take we sort of absorb a lot of that on the back end, so really you don't have to you know any. You know, if you have a security question, if you have a security review that needs to be completed, uh, it gets done pretty much immediately. Um, and so, uh, you know, and we just announced uh, it was picked up by Yahoo Finance and and some of these other outlets uh, the other day that we, you know, we've completed over a million security questions answered on behalf of our customers as they go to market. Insane. So it's a really amazing data set for us to have as well as we go into AI. And then, um, you know, we announced like same day delivery where. You know, we're able to turn these things around in a day. So, like, truly never delays a commercial transaction. And we're really fortunate to have amazing customers like, you know, right. Figma and Airtable and, um, and amazing investors as well. So, that's a little bit of background about, about Security Pal. I ended up running into this problem really at my previous company. I was at this company called Teamable. I was a uh, Team Able. It was a, a, a referral recruiting software. Um, I was one of the sort of like later stage co founders that joined to help bring the product to market. Um, and we scaled that to several million dollars in ARR. Um, and in that journey, um, I also learned about, you know, what it means to actually like sell your product to enterprises. And mm-hmm. I ended up having to like repeatedly fill out these questionnaires, right. these reviews, these really complicated like RFP documents. And none of the solutions out there were really solving my problem. A lot of the AI was really broken. A lot of the workflow products are really broken. And um, as I was doing research, you know, so I was facing this problem as I was doing research. There's there's no solution out there, and I also was you know quite frankly I, I think the underlying reason why I'm doing this mm-hmm. uh, maybe goes a little bit deeper, which is just that I, I also became really concerned about startups being dog- bogged down by paperwork. Um, of course, I, I think this is like a bigger problem, uh, mm-hmm. much bigger problem than 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 we anticipate. Um, there's a sort of like famous Andreessen Mark Andreessen quote from from 2011 that software is eating the world and. And, right. and I think, you know, it's probably more true today than ever before that mm-hmm. software is eating the world. It's eating everything around us. Yeah. Um, but but there's also another trend happening, which is, you know, regulation, compliance, security is eating software. Exactly. And, and and like the these, and this is probably a trend that doesn't get talked about often, but it's creating real roadblocks, bottlenecks, uh, challenges in the, in, in, in the journey to go to market and the journey to scale. Um, and a lot of it just come, boils down to just really annoying, boring, complicated mm-hmm. uh, paperwork. And it's um, into a jargon. And it... Exactly, exactly. Um, and so, you know, the the sort of like concern I fundamentally had was like, well, 
you know, uh, we love software. We love, um, uh, you know, w- we love building. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of like th- th- these hurdles are going to create a bunch of challenges for startups. Mm-hmm. I fundamentally, honestly, be, became concerned about like the state of innovation. Like I mm-hmm. think innovation is uh, is is one of the great forces for good, right? Um, right. Um, and we want more innovation. We want more companies. We don't want just the biggest companies to re- reap all the benefits. That's right. Um, and as a student of history, like, you know, uh, one of the big reasons why I think we haven't had that much innovation and, and, um, in car companies until like Tesla came around or, or energy or, or manufacturing. I think part of the reason is because of some of these, um, anti-monopolist regulations that came came about, uh, at the turn of the, uh, of the, of the previous century, um, um, uh, you know, with uh, breaking up Standard Oil, breaking up like the steel uh, 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 sort of like uh, monopolies. Mm-hmm. Um, and what ended up happening was one of the things that regulation does is that it sort of like raises the barrier to entry for a lot of companies. And when the barrier to entry is increased, it, it increases the cost to getting started. Um, right. So if the cost to getting started is increased, then, um, you know, that, that creates a, a whole host of challenges. Uh, for for startups, so that was like the underlying concern. Security files really like you know a, a wedge product, right? Like we're like, okay, let's solve this problem. Okay. This is the problem that companies are facing today. And then, uh, you know, back in uh, uh, you know around March, April, twenty twenty, uh, I decided to go full time. I was doing a little bit of part time gigs, doing researching okay. this problem. And then I had a customer that was willing to sign up and pay up front. And I I I. Uh, hadn't even incorporated the company. So I was like, I think this is like a good sign. You know, it's just sort of like sign a product market potential. Product exactly. Market. Right. Like, let's, somebody go, let's go. Somebody's going to pay for it. Yeah. Go ahead. Right. Yeah, exactly. So all of that. No, I love that. And I think a lot of people don't realize how hard selling is, right? Selling software is, and especially to enterprise uh, customers and so on. The sales cycle itself is so long and you add this layer of, you know, compliance and everything and you know um, I, I love that you're solving that I, that definitely has um, is important um, so I love that um, next I, I want to talk a little bit uh, about you know um, one of the things you're doing with uh, you know security pal in terms of um, how you're solving that problem and so on right um, and also we talked a little bit about your journey from from Dachula to Queens to you know SF and so on when you think about it now, right? I mean, I you did say like you, there's more to go and you know a long way ahead. But what are you really proud of? By the way, the 2023 What are you proud of on a personal level, um, and on a pers- uh, professional level? Yeah, uh, I have a, I really, I, I, I really have a problem with like, um, yeah, you know. Because there's so much more work to do, so like having these moments where I like I step back and reflect, it's, uh, you know, I find I find it. I don't know why, but I just have this like aversion to it because I I, I can see I, that I can see that you're making comfortable. Listen, I think uh, proud of our, our our team for um for 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 getting the company to to where it is today. You know, obviously we'd not be here without the incredible team, the support of my family, my wife incredible friends and so um just uh uh just proud of like what the the folks in the company have been able to accomplish our leaders right 
Um, so um, to to date, I think again, like there's so much more to, more work to do. There's so much more customer happiness to create, um, right. which is a core value for us. Um, you know, we're we're in the business of delivering customer happiness and um, in 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 this sort of like really unique way. And um, I think there's so much more more work to be done there for us. Um, and and we're also I'm also just just proud of. Uh, um, that we're doing it perhaps differently than maybe other companies. Um, um, you know, I'm really not proud, but I'm excited. Um, you know, I feel really excited and and lucky and blessed and fortunate to be able to combine so many different interests of mine um, into a into a fulfilling career, into a fulfilling narrative, into like a life mission, right? Like, I think there's not many people that can sort of like take the there's sort of like love for you know American innovation and the technology and um, the, you know the changing like landscape of like security and right. all these like new markets that are emerging. Also combine it with like my sort of like passion for um, for bringing um, you know uh, bringing sort of like what makes Silicon Valley special um, to uh, um, to uh, to 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 a part of the world that mm-hmm. maybe isn't as exposed to it, um, but exactly. there's tremendous talent. There's tremendous potential there, right? Uh, the sort of like you know, famous quote, right? Like talent is uh, is universally um, uh, opportunities are not opportunities are not exactly, and so exactly. Um, you know, I think like for me, um, have living a life that has a lot of meaning, um, right. And and that meaning comes from many different places, right? We we have meaning because of all the customer happiness we're delivering. We have meaning because of the jobs that we're creating, um, and the impact we're having on the ground. And so it's the meaning that keeps you going. I think having right. meaning in your work can really be a moat. There's a of lot course. of talk talk about like moats nowadays, right? Of in course. startups, like what is your moat? I think I think uh, having sh- like deep reservoirs of motivation, deep reservoirs of meaning that you could tap into, can actually be a uh, an incredible sort of like moat that keep you going, um, and uh, uh, you know to the to the to the next uh, ne- next challenge. Um, right. One of one of my favorite quotes is like you know the, the sort of like Greek proverb, right? Plant plant trees of wh- of wh- which shade you'll never sort of like experience. And I think mm-hmm. if each generation planted trees for the future, like I think like that's like a really amazing thing. That uh, right. And so for for me, it's like all right, like. How many how many trees can we plant here uh, over the right. course of the next like and 20, 30, 40, 50. Hopefully I get to do what I'm doing for like a hundred more years. You know, we'll see. We'll see how biotech goes. <laughs> right. right. Uh, but you know, like that would be that would be pretty amazing. Yeah. I think so. I think so. And you know, one sort of common factor that I see with uh, people that are successful, people that are, you know, disrupting the world is, you know, one, obviously they have to be hardworking, but they have um, you know, humility as well, right? And Pukar, you know, you obviously have that. And even while answering this question, you know, um, you show that abundance uh, and the and also this uh, gratefulness, right? Which, you know, still appreciate. Um, talk a little bit about the, the office you opened in Nepal recently and how it connects to, uh, you know, everything that you're hoping. Yeah, well, you know, there's a... Uh, you know, when I was when I was setting out to build like Security Pal, it became really obvious um, how big the the problem really was. 
um, as I was working with all these different companies, you know, just incredible products that um, are changing the world, um, but standing in the way of it are, are mm-hmm. you know, is, is, is paperwork and that needs to get done and it's endless. Um, you know, we're trying to help a company that was trying to sell its product to a big pharma pharmaceutical company, you know, one of the ones that actually created the vaccine. And, and I always, I was, I was thinking like, man, like here is a company that has this amazing product. Right. That is going to have a non-trivial impact on this, this pharmaceutical companies like Hagar, right? Compounded mm-hmm. annual growth rate. And uh, it's being slowed down by like this piece of paperwork and it's probably going to get slowed down by like a month or two. And I'm like a big believer in compounding. Yeah. So like if you don't have like a one or two months of like product deployment, like like that actually like has a material impact. So it's like, to me, it's like, okay, like if we do this now, it could potentially, t- fast forward 10, 20 years, it could be like, have a much bigger impact, right? Just by virtue of like us helping mm-hmm. them like- Now. Uh, like now. And so it became obvious that like, like we needed to be able to scale because like there's so much more potential for impact. And so, um, so when I was like thinking about, well, how do we do this? Uh, I was doing a lot of research. There's clear like a shortage of like cybersecurity talent. Um, yeah, you know, not just in the U S but like globally, um, at the same time as the pandemic. Um, and one of the things, um, at the, at the onset of the pandemics that was really challenging was that, um, um, uh, yeah, you know, people couldn't really move anywhere, mm-hmm. and so okay. so when I was like getting connected with like people from the Nepalese diaspora that were working in technology, like there was all this great talent that was just like stuck in Nepal, mm-hmm. and like you know Nepal is one of the top countries that sends students overseas, right, to top of schools, West, mm-hmm. Europe, Australia, Australia, right, then Asia, right, like. There's a tremendous amount of talent there uh, that gets shipped out every year. And like, it was just like, sort of like stuck there. And so, you know, it, it, I was like, well, how do we like take advantage of the incredible talent that's there uh, that needs to be matched with these incredible challenges and problems? And, um, and, and I also like had this passion for technology and I believe, really believe technology can, um, be such an incredible like economic force for good. Um, and so this really felt like, a, a, you know, like how do you turn a problem into an opportunity, right? There's the pandemic, there's all these companies, you know, right. fast is exploding during the middle of the pandemic, right? Because everybody has to rely on software to exist. Exactly. Um, mm-hmm. uh, right? Everybody's on, they're in front of their computer. And so it was just like this explosion of events that led me to realize that like, hey, like we can actually... Um, look into this and so um we started out small um but you know this past february we announced our um facility uh, our our, um, security pal um you know uh, security operations command center um security pal sod we're really blessed and fortunate that we had the you know u.s ambassador to nepal uh, you know honorable ambassador dean (laughs) r thompson there to uh but to, you know, at, at the ribbon cutting, cut the ribbon for the facility. And, um, uh, and I was able to share with them a little bit of the vision, vision that, that, uh, uh, and the journey that, uh, that we've been on as a company and, um, and, and it's great, you know, it's a world-class facility going there. You can't really tell the difference between being in, you know, uh, an office in Mountain View or to the middle of Canada. Wow. It's great. Um, it's, uh, exciting. 
Um, it's open 24 seven. It's a, it's a unique office, one of its kind in, uh, in Kathmandu. And, um, and it's, a it's a real blessing to be able to do some of those things, uh, uh there and, uh, you know, would not be possible without like support of our incredible team and customers. Mm-hmm. All the, we have an incredible leader there, Lachran Basnep, who, um, formerly at, at Diraj and really nice. scaled Cloud Factory. And so, um, you know, him and the, and the local team there that actually like have done an incredible job of w- with that facility. And so we're really excited. We think it's it's just the beginning of our journey of um, not just solving this sort of like cybersecurity, GRC talent shortage that we have, uh, but really like elevating the talent in this region mm-hmm. um, uh, and, and and connecting it with, with, with global opportunities. Goes back to, you know, uh, doing things that also have a lot of meaning and 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 create a lot of motivation for the team. This is a big part of it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, I love that. I love that it has a social mission in terms of you know really uplifting that talent in Nepal. That also it makes business sense, right? I think. Yeah. Uh, one thing we sometimes forget is you know why why do we try to do good? It does have to make sense. Right? Yeah. Um, um, so Pukar, um one thing that I do want to ask you a little bit about is um, that uh, concept of scale, right? Uh, you know, as founders, it's, it's so exciting to build something and so on. And then once it reaches a critical mass, once it reaches, it's popular, you know, people like it and so on. The next thing to do is scale, right? In terms of how do you scale your company? How do you scale your product and so on? And I think that's something that we don't hear a lot of Nepali founders really talk about. Like, share just a little bit about what you're learning as you, you know, as you grow your company, as you're thinking about bigger things to tackle and so on in terms of what that focus on scale means. Yeah, I mean, it's a little, listen, I, I think I probably need more advice on this area that, that <laughs> then uh, that I'm in a position to give um, um, since we're still like working through so many of these, uh, these scaling challenges. Um, um, you know, it, it, it's sort of interesting. I think uh, as as a founder, as a as a builder, um, as a leader, right, um, along with some of the other leaders that we have in the company, there's always this challenge between being a startup and 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 then sort of like graduating from that look mindset. Right. And I think it's actually quite dangerous to like leave the startup mindset, <laughs> actually. Um, I go back to the sort of like YC Paul Graham quote, which is like, you know, um, you know, the, the first quote that everybody knows is like, make something people want, which, right. you know, you do, and then uh, do things that don't scale. Uh, right. And I think, and in, in, I think a little bit of more color to that is be prepared to do things that don't scale for much longer than you think you might need to do them. Exactly. Um, uh, and, and and scaling is going to be like this constant challenge, of uh, uh, you know, for you. But I think it, it requires you to like do things that don't scale for a little mm-hmm. bit longer, and then figuring out how to scale those things. And that's like the the real the, the real challenge of like of 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 this, right? And so, um, uh, at, at fundamentally, I think it starts with just like getting the the right team around you. Um, okay. Right, getting a right team of leaders, right? Like, uh, uh, I've just, you know, I'm a two-time founder, but I haven't built a company to like hundreds of people before, right? I need to be before security pounds, so I don't have that experience. See, I have to rely on 
people that have that experience, right? Uh, uh, and and br- being lucky enough to like have leaders like that, like right. join us on our mission to be able to do that. So I think it starts with the recruiting. It starts with having a vision. And really, I, I think continuously like leaning into customers. I think your customers can be some of your greatest problem solvers, right? Mm-hmm. Your customers are really like your partners and they want to help you solve their problems. Right. And they're great people to like work with, especially early customers to brainstorm. Like, how do you think I would do this? Exactly. How do you think I would do that? Like, They can be amazing partners. They can be incredible partners, right? And and our customers are just so amazing, and they have such incredible ideas. Um, and and we're truly blessed to have the type of customers that uh, that we have. Um, and so you know the team plus the customers plus having the right recruiting the right set of leaders, those are really like the precursor ingredients mm-hmm. to getting um, getting getting to that uh, to that scale. I think it also helps to. Um, set the correct um, mission and vision. You want people speaking the right language, sort of like rowing in the same direction, right? And so like Mm -hmm. one of the things we did was like, we, you know, we we wrote out our values, we wrote out our vision, we wrote out our mission. And your mission can change. I think one of the things that like doesn't get talked about often is that companies' missions, companies' visions, they they change. uh, That uh, change isn't bad. It's it's about improvement, you know. Like in the exactly. stack, you're you're iterating, so you can iterate toward a a bigger and bigger mission. You can right. iterate toward a bigger and bigger vision. Uh, uh, and it's that constant learning as well, right? I think it's it's when you update it, it does not mean you're moving away. It means that you're learning and you're putting that feedback right into it, right? That's exactly that's exactly right. And I think sometimes uh, the biggest challenge I think with um, some of the successful founder narratives that exist out there or successful companies is the the dominant narrative that we're all aware of that's some some pr firm crap right <laughs> you know to smooth out the uh the the moments that may not make sense but like exactly. in reality like like all like there was just a lot of like ups and random all the mm-hmm. and and things that don't make sense and and no one's journey is this sort of like smooth rise to the top, right? Exactly. Like it it feels like that when when you've made it, um, right? You know, it's uh, it's maybe a little bit like climbing climbing Everest, right? Mm-hmm. It's not like this, you know. You climb one mountain, you, <laughs> and then you know, right. there's all these like different peaks and valleys on your way to like the mountaintop. Um, and so that I think is like the a, 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 a constant something I have to constantly actually even remind myself of, right. um, uh, and and uh, uh, and uh, so, something we should like be aware of because there's a lot of like really beautifully crafted narratives out there and um you know uh, if we took out all the sort of like local minimas right like right, right. using it uh, i don't want to get too like calculus mathy here but like you know if you take out all the local minimas like everyone's journey just feels like uh going from one mountaintop to the next but that's just like not 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 right right and and this is just like what we were talking about earlier right in terms of um, that glamorous, sexy life people think uh, you know an entrepreneur's journey is versus the reality of these scribbles and these random things and the constant changes and everything, right? Oh yeah, I mean, I I thought I I would have never guessed fast forward like 2019 when I wasn't sure about what I wanted to do with my life. So it's just like a couple of years ago, and right. you know, my the the last startup I I was at didn't necessarily have the type of success I wanted. I actually wanted to leave tech. I wanted to maybe go into a completely different direction. And 
um, I was on the verge of like, you know, applying to maybe business school, maybe applying to like, I'd always wanted to go into public policy. Um, right. Um, uh, wasn't really sure, like, you know, completely lost in many ways. Right. Um, right. Right. Um, and, uh, but still passionate about certain things that maybe like had lost sight of those because I was a little bit disillusioned by, mm-hmm. um, by, by, uh, you know, the, the sort of like delusions of grandeur that come with, of course. uh, being, you know, and, and the disillusionment that sometimes, uh, accompanies a lot of the, uh, a lot of the glamorous, uh, success right, that you might right. see on the outside, uh, in Silicon Valley, but like, you know, uh, listen. By no means do I feel like I've, I've 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 made it, but I know how to handle those moments now. And exactly, uh, you just sort of have to be willing to turn the page in many ways, and uh, or just you know close the book, throw it away, and open a new one, right? Like, you know, you have to move on. Yep, yeah. You, you sort of have to find a way to way to move on. And, uh, uh, and I'm blessed for like the the folks around me that um, get that guided me in the right way. And so I think those are like things that that are, to whoever's listening, I would. I would definitely like like recommend not not being uh, always believing in yourself. Maybe is the most important thing, right? Like believe in yourself. Like you know, you're, you're sort of capable of a lot more than you can you you even think. Because mm-hmm. oftentimes, like our ceilings are just so, like the the sort of like limits that we put on ourselves are just somebody else's ideas, right? Exactly. It's uh, you know, somebody says, "Oh, you can't do that," and then we put a ceiling, and it's just like why. Like, why like can't I do that? It's illusion, though, so okay? They're not really. They're, they're just like, we think they're real. They're not. Um, yeah, exactly. But, but I, I still agree. I still agree. Um, Pukar, I feel like with, you know, regarding, especially regarding startups and the whole journey and so on, I feel like I could, you know, talk to you for hours. And I think, you know, we do need a separate session to discuss more. But I want to talk a little bit more now in terms of, you know, our diaspora and we're trying to do it and so on, right? Um, I love what you're doing with, you know, the, the office in Nepal and in, in general with, you know, I know how much you invest in uh, terms of, you know, helping other founders and so on. But uh, what do you think we can, what are some tangible things we can do um, in terms of uplifting our diaspora? Yeah, I think it's what you're doing, right? Um, um, I think it's like some of the work that, um, that, that, you know, just been so impressed with the work that that you've done with TGND, and um, it's a it's a it's a brave endeavor. It's courageous to put yourself out here. I don't think a lot of people like realize how how courageous of an act it is to to just merely plant a flag somewhere and say right. I'm going to now do this right. Uh, um, and so, what are you doing with the the Great Nepalese Diaspora, mapping it out? Um, so, I think. First, let's get the data, right? I think we're doing that. So let's let's map it out. Let's let's figure it out. Um, let's build the network. Um, let's share amazing stories. Um, let's share what's possible, which I think you're doing with right. this podcast, amongst other um, uh, or uh, other ways in which you know the community has uh, um, uh, has been putting on some incredible events um, and connecting folks. Um, and I think these are like the seeds that we need, right? Exactly. Uh, uh, and, and well, having this mindset of like giving, um, I think there's like other moments where, uh, people are too quick to extract from a community. Um, and so I think like, you know, playing the long game and, 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 and some of those ways, I think it's like very, 
uh, I know that's a very top of mind for you is just like how to make this community self-sustaining um, and, um, and and a positive positive uh, force for good. So um, I think there's like really amazing, you know, uh, folks all around the world right. have some connection in Nepal, right? Whether they're like me or they were born there and grew up here or, you know, they're born here and they're very curious about their, their roots, right? Um, right. Um, and, uh, they, they want to connect, they want to give back, they want to help. And, uh, this is a, I, I think it's a really great way, um, to, to do that. Yeah. So I think what you're doing is a, is a great example uh, of, thank you. Uh, of, and I, and I hope you like continue. I know you, you said you, you're, you're proud of me, but you know, I think we'll have got more proud of like the work thank that you're, you. you're doing and the, and, and, and the team that you, yeah. No, thank you, Pukar. I think just like you said, right? The, like um, the the uh, your security concerns were like bothering you so much that you had to do something. It's the same for me. I think, you know, the fact that uh, I mean, in Bali Haruko, we don't have that professional platform was bothering me so much that I couldn't do anything else. So here we are. Um, last question. I know, and you know, I, before I let you go, you know, even though Timroy, you know, a lot of uh, you know your youth and the education and so on happened in the U.S. Now you're so plugged into Nepal company startup ecosystem. You know you have an office there and you're constantly in touch with you know Nepali professionals, founders, and you know a lot of different sort of uh, people in that uh, in that category. Do you think that Nepal uh, has a brand? Um, in if it does or if it doesn't, like do we? How do we? shape that uh, brand of Nepal? Um, I think, you know, broadly, I think Nepal has a very, uh, it, it, a great starting brand, you know, probably a brand that perhaps other countries might even be, be you know, envious of, right? Because it's, mm -hmm. a, it's a brand that is uh, always seen as like a welcoming, friendly, peaceful, uh, right. um, uh, you know, a country full of like nice people. Um, um, Mount Everest, I think, is a great brand to have. Right. She uh, just met a company yesterday that was like named after, uh, uh, you know, one of the mountains. Like it's, you know, it's pretty pretty amazing. There's no connection to to the region, but still and oh, sun. Wow. Um, uh, like that's pretty cool, right? Like to be able to have that type of uh, 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 global reach. I think. Um, you know, but, but I think it's all about like, how do you leverage that? You know, how do you like take advantage right. of that, uh, of that, of that incredible, inc incredible brand? Um, you know, I, like I've been thinking a lot about like, how do you, uh, a a and I think like sometimes you can't do it all. And so, um, if, if you want to do something that like touches a lot of industries, mm -hmm. like cuts cuts across horizontally, you're not going to have the energy to go very deep. Of course. Uh, right. And so I think, too. yeah, it's a what choice, right? Like, yeah. What do you choose to do? So I think like the diaspora, like it's very broad. You're connecting the people. It's sort of like this platform, um, but you can't really go that deep in, in mm -hmm. any uh, uh, category, but then there's like entrepreneurs, right? Like, whether it's an education startup or an insurance company or a cybersecurity company like myself, who have that ability to like then go deep. We can't really go broad, but we have the skill sets and that, and the, and we're deploying capital in these deep ways. And and it's about finding a way for those things to actually exactly. meet. 
And I think like that's yeah. what's what's really exciting. And so I think it's if you know, I, I hope we're doing a good job of of, of telling a, a you know a, a different type of of of, of story uh, about hey, yes, like Nepal's a great place. It's got you know some of the most picturesque and beautiful mm-hmm. and majestic mountains in the world. It's also got a really great talent pool that exactly. is plugged into the internet and um, was number two when ChatGPT came. I know, right? In terms of queries and everything. Yeah, right? it, was exactly. a, it was like number number two country in the world in terms of like who was using it the most uh, when, okay. it, when it first came out. And so I think like there's, um, it, it's all about how you sort of like the marketing piece of it, I think is, is super important. The brand is super important. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here, Pukar, for sharing about your journey, about everything you're doing. And uh, yeah, I think the need for collaboration, right? Whether it's for Nepal or the Nepali diaspora. Thank you so much. Um, And for everybody listening, uh, do like, subscribe, and share with your network. And also let us know who uh, you would want us to interview. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Pukar. Yeah, thank you, Preeti. And thank you to the uh, great Nepalese diaspora for listening in, tuning in, and be- being part of this amazing community that Preeti and team are building here. Mm-hmm.